because it was one of the first things in my life that I said, hey, I really created this. You know, this is a product. This is a product that can be on retail shelves. This is something that can bring joy to other people's lives. Isn't that brilliant? Turning an idea into an object that's for sale on retail shelves and bringing joy to people's lives. That's a beautiful thought. What are your ideas? Do you know what to do with them? Today, you're going to meet someone who created a board game and turned it into a business in the most unexpected way. It's episode number two of Objects with Ship Hero. I'm your host, Nicholas Daniel Richards, and I can't put you people on retail shelves, but I can say that you bring joy to me by just being here. Let's do this. This is going to be a fun one, literally. It starts and ends with two wildly different board games. Here on episode two, we're going to explore what happens when you face unexpected success. Let's say you've come up with an idea for an object. It could be one of the most random ideas you've ever had in your life. And for some reason, that idea immediately resonates with your friends. Suddenly, your object is the talk of the town and no one can get enough of it. Now what? Maybe your object is only a prototype and you have never created anything before in your life. What do you do with this unexpected hit? Okay, let's be real. The answer to a question like, now what? totally depends on the idea and the situation. And this show isn't about generalizations. So let's get specific in the way we do here at Objects. Today's object is board games. Sort of. The amazing thing about today's story is how an unexpected but well-earned success at building a board game from scratch turned into an opportunity to launch a successful 3PL startup. It's a big story with a lot of details, so let's get to it. Our story today starts with a young man who began his successful career the way all famous entrepreneurs do, invented a drinking game. Side note, did you know that Warren Buffett actually invented quarters while at the University of Nebraska way back in 1949? I could go on about that, but unlike today's story, I'm making it up. The real story starts in 2015. Our guest, Joe Spizak, was a recent college grad who decided to spend a super senior year in his college town with a friend. They were living a college life without the academic stress. Sounds ideal, but something seemingly insignificant was wrong. We basically, you know, we just were getting fed up with playing beer pong, flip cup, quarters, you know, your traditional college games. Yep, that's Joe. You're going to hear much more from this chap in just a minute. They were bored with the bars, bored with the same old games. So they invented a new one. It involved a makeshift wheel of fortune that unlocked activity cards that they wrote on strips of paper. They kept tweaking it, replacing the wheel with dice, much easier to manage apparently, and gave it a name, Dicey. And it blew up. It didn't take long until all of their friends kept asking to leave the bar and go back to the apartment to play Dicey. Somewhere in his mind, Joe recognized that Dicey was worth developing into a commercial object. Over the next two years, Joe and his business partner Logan 
and a small group of investors invested time, money, and energy into converting a really fun, hyper-local drinking game into a mass-produced e-commerce product that could be built, bought, warehoused, and shipped. The episode could end right here on this one object. Dicey is a huge accomplishment. In fact, let's pause for a moment and reflect on it. How many people sit on bar stools and, after a few rounds, dream up big ideas? That's when ideas sound so easy. The amazing thing about Joe's story is the follow-through. Two solid years of development, testing, and design. All of it happening on nights and weekends between the day jobs. Incredible. But this story doesn't end with Dicey. It ends with a startup 3PL that Joe founded called Ship Daddy. I'll be interviewing Joe about Ship Daddy later in this episode. Before we get there, I just have to share my favorite fact about the company. Ship Daddy's first warehouse was an 800 square foot room in an abandoned town morgue that Joe bartered out of a website project for a local realtor. In less than six months, Ship Daddy went from about 800 square feet, filled with unused tow tags, into a 140,000 square foot warehouse. The future for this man is bright. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk dicey first. An idea turns into an object. It takes money. It takes vision. It takes patience. Want to know what he did? Well, why are you listening to me? Take it away, Joe. Dicey started as <laughs> something we called the wheel of fun. And we made like a very crude slash janky uh, form of uh, wheel of fortune, basically, where you'd have people come up and spin this wheel. And depending on what color it would land on, we created different mini games for that color category. So it all started as us just creating these ridiculous off the wall, laugh out loud, funny um, drinking mini games. Um, and then it ended up getting to the point we would go out to the bar and people would say, Hey, let's go back to the house and play the wheel of fun. Let's go back to the house and play the wheel of fun. So that ended up morphing into us saying, Hey, maybe we got something here. Well, you know, over the course of the next two years, you know, we all went into the corporate world. Um, I was a network engineer in my former life at AT AT&T. Um, my business partner in Dicey who works with us at Ship Daddy now, Logan, um, and my sister is something, she, my oldest sister, she is like, in my unbiased opinion, she is a next, next level, um, UX designer. And she ended up just kind of as a favor to us, like helping us design the box and help us find a design team to use. And we kind of did the heavy lifting in terms of getting the questions together, figuring out the die um, getting our distribution channel locked up, et cetera, et cetera. Everything that goes into creating a game, how the process typically works with something like that is you would work directly with your end manufacturer in, um, let's say China or overseas or wherever, you know, there's tons of great game designers in the United States. You'd basically have, um, a blank file, um, like a blank canvas for the design specifications. And then you start to design over top of that. Uh, once you have your finalized designs, you go back um, to your manufacturer and you start the prototyping phase, basically. But I guess I'll rewind to our Kickstarter. So it was in 
let's see, I think it was November 2018. We ran a Kickstarter. We did $21,000 in 30 days. Um, so we had a good buzz going on about Dicey. Um, and, you know, even before we ran our Kickstarter and did all of that, um, we were actively looking for suppliers. So what we did to find suppliers, uh, we like to have a little fun with it. And so we ended up going to, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the largest um, tabletop board game festival in the United States called Gen Con. It's a fantastic festival. It's in Indianapolis. Um, the entire Indianapolis Colts football field is, to give you a sense of perspective, is blocked off to play the national corner quarterfinals and settlers of Catan, the entire football field. We went there and we set up like, I don't know, probably like 10 different meetings with tabletop board game manufacturers all across the world. And that was basically our vetting process to find someone with the highest quality, um, reasonable pricing that we felt comfortable in taking that leap of faith. And we ended up finding a couple viable options and we didn't end up sticking with the person we chose at Gen Con. We've ended up working with another manufacturer since then, but both experiences were fairly good. Bringing Dicey to market was, you know, it was really, it was a proud moment for me and Logan and everyone else that's been helping us up to that point. Along with being that happy and stuff, it shows you that you can do something from an entrepreneurial perspective, uh, bringing something from an idea in your mind and, you know, straight manifest destiny, destining it into happening is, uh, you know, a really, a really cool uh, feeling. Probably a year into selling Dicey is when I realized that I wanted to keep pushing the limits of what I thought was possible with a brand experience. One of the things I love is opening up a product that gets shipped to you and it's just a beautiful product opening experience, right? It makes you feel good. It makes you feel like this was created just for you. Um, and then also being able to work with people that are fulfilling your packages and being able to talk to them on a personal level, basically just having the people touching your product empathetic to the fact that that's your baby and you want to know that it's in good hands. And I just, we never felt like we could get that quality of service. We wanted, you know, cause you hit that critical time in your business where you're selling enough products where if you're going to the post office once a day, you could be taking, you know, hours out of your day to go do that but it's still not quite enough to be um, paying a fulfillment center to do it for you full time if your margins are slim. So we really decided kind of a year in, we had to um, break away and, and do our own thing. So we could not only increase our brand, but get reliable people on our packages that we know care and can adapt with our scope of work. All right, so let's break that down. There are two important moments of unexpected success that Joe capitalized on. The first one is the most obvious. Joe invented a game that people loved. They loved it so much that he turned it into a business. That's not easy to do, but at least he had enough signals from his audience to validate his effort. The second moment is less obvious and even bigger. He founded a 3PL fulfillment center. Where did that come from? Well, as you heard in his monologue, 
Dice's success was being compromised by lackluster fulfillment experiences. His initial idea was to work with a fulfillment partner to enhance the unboxing experience and resolve customer issues, but none of these efforts worked because none of his fulfillment partners wanted to improve their customer experience. This is where Joe took a magnificent leap of faith and created his own 3PL fulfillment business. This startup, called ShipDaddy, is Joe's solution to the problems he was facing, and it is a massive and growing success. I wanted to know more about how and why he founded this company and what his plans are for the future. So that's when I decided to sit down for a proper chat. Let's fast forward, right? So we fast forward a year after Dicey officially launches. What was the, um, and you know, scary, I don't know if that's the right word, but what was that first scary moment you experienced between those orders coming in and the actual fulfillment process? I think uh, the scary moment was working with fulfillment providers and sending them emails and waiting 72 hours and praying to God that you could get a hold of someone that understood the nuances of your account. You know, you spend two years building this brand, creating this e-commerce company, and then the whole back end of the business, the most important part of taking the game and delivering it to the customer is completely out of your hands. And what blew my mind was not only the lack of support, not being able to get a hold of anybody who gave a shit about your product and company, but also the lack of customization you could do for fulfillment options. It blew my mind that I couldn't talk to anybody at a fulfillment center and be able to get an insert put into my put in uh, with orders for my game. I'm like, why is it that hard? Like you guys just have to print it out and stick it in there and then you could charge me more money. And you know, since it's outside of their processes and how things work, that can't be done. And it made me just realize how insincere everything was and everything felt in, in, in fulfillment. And that was one of the big. Yeah. Well, it wasn't it, exactly. It wasn't a very personal, uh, personal experience, right? It's, it's basically just items that come into a warehouse and they're shipped out. There's exactly. no understanding of, of the it personalization. It, it, so sorry, it basically just felt like after, you know, you built this relationship with the sales rep that, you know, shows you all the bells and whistles of what the 3PL is going to be doing. And then when you get passed off to the actual fulfillment, rinse and repeat operations portion of things, you know, that salesperson's nowhere to be found. And, you know, building relationships in our in our industry, it just blew my mind that there wasn't that level of personalization and attention to detail to customers. Yeah, so I I have a note as well that um, you you were running a Barstool Sports promotion. Um, so I assume that if you were you're on Barstool Sport uh, Sports, you you were seeing a surge, right? Did that have? Were you dealing with any effect of? You know, that should be one of the happiest moments as an owner of an e-com business is like, holy cow, like we're, we, we've got this campaign, this promotion, we're selling all this stuff. Um, were you, I'm assuming you probably had some challenges, uh, but you know, what, what were you dealing with as far as fulfillment? Sure. So the Barstool Sports um, segment we were a part of was called the Barstool Sports Big Brain Competition. And I tell people it was basically like, it's kind of like a JV shark tank. It was, uh, it was, it was Dave Portnoy, um, Erica Nardini, uh, 
Mike Rapoli, who's the CEO of Vitamin Water and Body Armor, and and um, uh, John Taffer, who runs Bar Rescue. And we basically, Logan and myself, went and presented to these guys and pitched Dicey on them. Um, and, you know, it's on YouTube and a bunch of companies came and they had a choice of investing or not. And it was, yeah, it was great exposure for us. You know, that was very early on, right when we started selling Dicey. Um, that definitely, you know, got us a couple thousand sales. Um, but but we were really taking off uh, even after um, Barstool Sports. We were doing some really great social media marketing on Instagram. And, you know, we were doing really, really well. Uh, so, you know, the fulfillment centers we were working with could handle the volume. They could physically get our orders out. That wasn't the problem. It was handling all of the different variables that can come with the individual orders. Let's say there's an address hold. Let's say um, someone needs to change their address. Let's say there's a payment hold or fraud hold or something like that. It's just any single time we had one thing wrong with individual orders, you have to go through that email process, work with customer support, find the people that have been working on your account. And it's a nightmare every single time. And it, it just it just blew my mind that all the orders could get could get sent out. But if you needed to make one simple change to your process or the orders, it could take literally weeks to get something done. Right. And the customer is not your customer is not uh, if there's an issue with something on the shipping side or return, they're not uh, going to look at it and go, oh, right. It's the fulfillment center you're using. Absolutely. <laughs> they're, right. they're going to you, right? That, it's, that's, it's, your, that's it's your brand. It's your brand on the line. All right. So you're going through this. You're going through this experience. It's mind-blowing as far as uh, just uh, what you were learning on the fulfillment side and working with 3PLs. So you got those first couple of years of dicey experience. Sort of lead us through the how you came to uh, the realization that I mean, this is a leap. This is what blows my mind. So you went from, let's make uh, this game. And then, you know what? Fulfillment sucks. Let's actually uh, build a fulfillment and logistics uh, company, right? So help me understand how that leap from, uh, I'm selling uh, games and you're, you know, you're growing that business to, we got to solve the fulfillment problem. Let's actually take it. Uh, direct on. Let's actually solve this with our own thing. So th this is where the leap happened. So we were, we went through three different three PLs within a year and a half um, with Dicey. And that that's a lie. I mean, it's no small. And every time you go through a three, you're changing three PLs, you're moving inventory, you're setting up new relationships, new contracts, all that stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. It's no small task changing your three PL. It costs it costs a lot of money to physically move your inventory via freight to somewhere else to get set up in a new system. And I just, yeah, we went through three different three PLs, and we were doing um, a good amount of volume. Think you know, a couple thousand orders a month for Dicey. And my best friend since fifth grade, Brady Farrell, uh, just finished up uh, his duty in the military. He just got back from Afghanistan, uh, finished, finished up his, uh, his, I think he did five, six years in the military. Um, so he, he finished up his contract and he was basically working um, at Tractor Supply. 
and I said, hey, Brady, would you want to come along and potentially fulfill dicey orders for me? And I'll pay you and, um, you know, we could, we could see how things work out. And, you know, two best friends will get to work together and we'll have a freaking blast. You know, it was obviously a no-brainer for Brady. He got to leave his job at Tractor Supply. And so how did Ship Daddy the name start? So when Brady was in the military, if you know Brady, he's he's a caretaker. His, his nickname in the military was Dad. Everybody called him Dad because he was always the guy taking care of everybody, looking, looking out for everybody's back, et cetera, et cetera. So my, I started calling Brady the Ship Daddy. Um and, and the name stuck and we, when, as our business started to grow, um, it just made so much sense to us. It was poetic to name our company, um, after one of the best dudes you'll ever meet someone who is kind and loyal and just has a beautiful, beautiful soul. And, you know, a guy like Brady, the ship daddy, you know, he's a constant reminder every day when we look up on the wall and see that logo built after him, that you know, we, we have to, we have to embody that spirit that Brady brings to us. So, um, it was a great, it's the best person ever to build our company around. He is the ship daddy. And we started to build our business from there. Once, once we had the brand and the idea and we realized really when we started to go in on ship daddy and decide it needed to become a business was when we had people coming to us, we had obviously working in e-commerce, there's so much overlap. Um, you just work with other e-commerce store owners that are selling different things as a way to figure out best practice in the industry. And then whenever we started, you know, to uh, talk with the people that we've been working with with Dicey for the last two years and realized they had the exact same problems, um, we started to take on more and more customers and things started to grow from there. Yeah. I mean, I really, uh, when we first started working together, I, I think the the thing that stuck out to me was you know, we come across a lot of companies on the logistics side that don't have, um, they don't embody a personality per se, right? So you were, you were talking about um, Ship Daddy and what that brand is and what it represents. All right. So you've got yourself in fulfillment for yourself, just the nature of, of, the space you're now uh, working with other brands um so now you've got a you got to go from we're solving uh, the problems of shipping these orders out to you've got to have an operation that supports multiple brands um and probably i assume you're and obviously you talk about this you're doing things that your experience in working with fulfillment centers, that mind blowing part of you can't even do an insert. Um, so you're providing, you're, you're providing these kinds of services that you would have loved to have had with a fulfillment center. So how did you go about the, how, what has been the experience as far as growing out the operations and getting all of the things in place so you can support multiple brands? Like what has been the big learning there? Sure. So, our learning has been largely deal driven. So we will talk with customers and see what they need. And basically, you know, in the first couple months of the business, we would just figure out how to get it done, you know, just be next level creative problem solvers. And if someone needs inserts printed with their packages, 
we get a print system and we just figure out how to continually optimize those individual operations and see if it's worth scaling or not under our company. So, um, you know, there's all sorts of examples you could give, but print on demand would be, you know, one of the best ones. We had a customer ask if we could do their merchandise and we started to look into the logistics behind it and said, well, yeah, why not? Why couldn't we do this? Like we basically ended up, uh, my aunt and uncle, um, they own a print shop right down the road from us. So we kind of started to bounce ideas off of them. And, you know, now we have a few DTG printers. We can print at the highest, the, the, the highest industry level. And, you know, we, we're sending out thousands of shirts, you know, every couple of weeks. So we, we basically let, um, the deals kind of drive, um, the new technologies and the new services we, we need to add to our company. I mean, I think everybody has lost track of time at this point, but help me understand, like, how has your business been uh, on the fulfillment side? How's Ship Daddy been doing uh, during uh, what I'm calling Charlie 19? Um, it's been doing fantastic. So we um, just hired our 20th employee. We're currently moving from a 10,000 square foot building into a 140,000 square foot building uh, right down the road. And we just found that out literally. Yeah, slightly larger, but we, we literally just found this out a couple of days ago. Um, we presented we presented to the township. Everything looked great, um, and we're super super excited. Uh, so the business is is growing very very fast. Um, it's really exciting because we have uh, a really great core group of people here. I think one of the things that makes Ship Daddy so special and lets us deliver on these promises and offer the highest level of customer service. Um, is because everybody who works at our company right now, we've all been lifelong friends. So, you know, we're able to hold each other accountable really well. Um, we love working with each other and we love helping out other businesses. It's not just, uh, you know, us, you know, hiring uh, warehouse workers, paying a minimum wage and expecting them to work, you know, 16 hour days. It's, we work, our, we work our asses off, but you know, we pay everybody really fair wages. What is the future for Ship Daddy? So you just talked about, uh, I mean, a mad, that, that is a massive increase in terms of square footage. Well done to you, sir. Um, but what is the, help me understand what you're thinking, if you can, given all the craziness around us. I know a lot of us are just focused on let's survive the holidays, but what's your focus for all your goals or your dreams or where you think Ship Daddy is going to be um, over the next, I don't know, let's go for a year. Let's, let's go for some random timeline. Let's, let's say a year. Sure. Let's shoot with a year. So the roadmap for ship daddy over the course of the next year, obviously moving to our new 140,000 square foot warehouse. Um, and then next step, we're looking within the next six to 12 months to, uh, get a West coast location. Um, so that is kind of like the next obvious, um, step from a fulfillment perspective, just because it'll cut our lead time in half uh, for companies sending us product uh, from China. Um, and then obviously if companies are big enough to where it would be beneficial to split their inventory across different zones, AKA East and West coast, um, you know, we would, we would have that ability. So that that's, that's the next logical six to 12 months. Um, customer acquisition, keep finding the right customers is one of the biggest things that I've learned. You know, our, our problem wouldn't be, um, signing customers. We could 
sign customers every day if, if we needed to, but signing the right customers um, that fit with our business model um, is, is definitely, is definitely crucial for us. Um, and really just keep growing. We're going to keep bringing on some new people. We're going to keep uh, diving into our print on demand offering. Um, and yeah, I think a reasonable goal would be for us to have, you know, I could see us having 75 to a hundred people within the next year is the goal. But then again, you know, having a hundred people isn't the metric that we're trying to obtain. It just, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for the best of the best that are really bought on board with the ship daddy vision and, and, and really to break my job down into its simplest form from the start, really my whole goal has been to get the best and the brightest all in the same room for as many hours as I can in a day. And that's basically what we've done. You know, I've kind of looked, um, to my friends from all different walks of life and, you know, pitched ship daddy on, on to them and pitched, you know, building our own businesses to them. And, you know, whoever wanted to come on board, like you're more than welcome. We just need the best of the best people. Um, we don't have all the answers on our roadmap, but we know that with, with the right people, we can accomplish whatever we want to do. So a weird question, maybe, I don't know, but how would you consider yourself? Would you say you're a fulfillment brand that is board games or a board game brand that is a fulfillment center? How would, how would you? We are definitely a fulfillment company that works on our own e-commerce brands and side projects. So I think one of the great things about joining our company is, you know, you have your core roles and responsibilities inside of ShipDaddy. But then, you know, when someone has an idea to build a brand or build a new company or build um, a new leg inside of ShipDaddy, you know, we all talk as a collective 20 person group. Um, and if enough people are excited about it, we pull resources and we, we help each other accomplish our goals inside of ShipDaddy, creating new brands, new companies and new legs of the business. And that's what's so exciting. And it, it gives, you know, fulfillment will always be our breadwinner and what keeps the lights on. And, but there's just so much opportunity that can come from fulfillment and e-commerce and being able to have fulfillment as the base of the pyramid to allow you to sh store your e-commerce brand items and ship at reasonable rates and create high quality inserts and handwritten notes for your packages will always be such a huge advantage for our other brands that we create because we have that all here. So, you know, we're super excited to move into our new 140,000 square foot place because, you know, it's, it's just a blank canvas of whatever, you know, our imagination can dream up. And we have all sorts of ideas. You know, we're talking with the township about making a nitro coffee bar um, in our new place where, where, where people in the town can um, come in. We are like right in the middle of like a very rural part of central Pennsylvania, um, and, you know, that we live in Amish country and we're talking about having an Amish farmer's market one day a week at our new warehouse. So it's, it's bigger than fulfillment for us. It's building community. It's, it's challenging ourselves personally. It's, you know, it's growing to try and become the people that we've always imagined we could become. And I think, yes, we will always be a fulfillment company and, you know, that's why it's so beautiful that we have the ship daddy as our brand to rally behind because it helps us maintain our, our core values and 
still reach and do, you know, whatever the hell we want to do. All of that started from a drinking game. Amazing. If you have an object that needs high-touch customer support, check out ShipDaddy at GoShipDaddy.com. I promised that this episode would start with a board game and end with a wildly different board game. So here it goes. This year, Joe created a new board game called OK Boomer. It is an intergenerational trivia game that can challenge and engage everyone from teenagers to their grandparents. And it's available just in time for the holidays. You can order that game today at okboomer.game. Until next time, this is Nicholas Daniel Richards, and you've just listened to Objects with Ship Hero. Objects is a Ship Hero product, produced by Matchmeal, theme music by Yeti Music. If you have an object you want us to profile, send a note to me, your host, Nicholas Daniel Richards, to pitch at shiphero.com. I promise we read every pitch that comes in. We're always on the lookout for a new object to cover. To get more info and episode details and more links to the stuff we talk about, visit shiphero.com slash objects. Until the next episode, take care, stay safe, cheers.